0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. This time of year, we normally get people saying, where, where has the nativity crib gone from St. James's Hospital or the army, local army barracks or whatever? But we got a message this year, the exact opposite from one of our listeners. And it's fault, it's in Paul Fitzpatrick's shoe shop in the Dundrum Basilica, the Dundrum Shopping Centre. And the listener says, this beautiful crib is in the window of his shoe shop in Dundrum Town Centre. I couldn't believe it. Magnificent among all the boy, 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 uh, mammon of Christmas. I told him I would buy a pair of shoes because of it. I love the crib. It's sacred. Fair play. Well, the shop have done it. I don't know, I don't know why they've done it, but there's a beautiful crib in the window with three wise men, Joseph, Mary, and um, the baby's in the crib and there's the animals at the back and it looks like real straw, um, but it's in the window of uh, a shop. And so far, it's getting good reaction from our listeners anyway. As I say, it's normally the other thing you hear at the this time of year, where, where have all... The nativity crib's gone. OK, yesterday we spoke to Lisa in great depth about uh, her uh, inability, despite having got money, uh, borrowed money, for an assessment. Uh, she believes she has ADHD and indeed has been told by medics who can't sign off at it, unfortunately, that she has ADHD, but she needs a psychiatric assessment. Now, the good news is uh, we have been contacted by... Uh, a psychiatrist who uh, has indicated that he will uh, help um, ASAP and we've passed that on to Lisa and that seems to be good news and Lisa has told us she's going to take uh, day's rest today which she needs and by the way deserves after her bravura performance yesterday but then Sinead contacted us Sinead good afternoon Good afternoon Joe how are you? Good what's your situation you were listening to Lisa I was I was uh heading home in the car after a long day's work and yeah. uh, I tuned in and I had to pull over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really affected by what I heard because um, I was diagnosed with ADHD last year. Okay. Uh, just recently turned 40. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a real revelation to me. Um, okay. I was diagnosed with autism about three years ago now. Okay. And uh, I only found out um, about the ADHD. I mean, apparently the two almost go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a bit of a, a journey of discovery about myself and looking back on my life. And, and how, long uh, were you, how long were you were you looking for a diagnosis like Lisa was for a long time? At the... Yeah. Um, to be honest, I was putting it off. Now, I know that I self-funded my diagnosis and, mm. uh, like, I don't have a lot of money, I don't yeah, have a large yeah. salary, I made a few sacrifices to fund that, okay. uh, because the only way to go, especially with adults, there are just no services for adults yeah, out there. Yeah. Uh, if you feel you need a diagnosis and you need to see someone, you have to go privately. Um, but I, I went to a psychologist for the autism diagnosis mm-hmm. and I kind of made a bit of a, a boo-boo, I think. I, I went to a brilliant psychologist to get okay. my ADHD diagnosis and then realised that I might need meds. This was okay. recommended to me so then I needed to find a psychiatrist who would take that diagnosis. Okay. Um, so I, I landed with a wonderful 
psychiatrist. Uh, only met him at the start of November, okay. and it's been a revelation. And he said, "How did it take you so long to get to me <laughs> since your diagnosis?" And I had to travel because I live in the west of Ireland, mm-hmm. and I have to travel to Dublin regularly now for appointments because I'm, I've started medication. Um, and this, this yeah. the diagnosis is the gateway to being prescribed medication, isn't that the... Absolutely. That's the key. That's it, and it's the only way. And really, what I have discovered um, on my journey, you really need to go to a psychiatrist if you want that option of medication to be open to you. Well, that's that's the only way you can get the medication, is be assessed as ADHD by, among others, but the, the top of the ladder there is the psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are very few, you know, my, my psychologist was racking her brains trying to think of yeah. um, ADHD Ireland have a brilliant list. I know yeah, you're in touch with them. They were on yesterday, yeah. They were on yesterday. ADHD.ie. Are you on medication yeah. now? Do you mind me asking, Sinead? I started it. I started medication and already I can see a difference. In what way? I'm just better able to focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, better able to focus, less distractible. Um, I used to have a lot of daytime sleepiness, which okay. is a huge part of ADHD. You want to nap all the time. And of course, your your nighttime sleep is very impacted as well. So it has all kinds of physical effects too. Um, so uh, that's that's actually stopped. I don't, and I'm, I'm, I'm not on the highest dose. Okay. But I can, I can feel the impact already. Now, you know. one, of, one of the reasons why you have to go through the loops, the, the medical and psychiatric loops would be and get an ADHD diagnosis, which in turn, if if decided by your medics, uh, will open the gateway to, yeah. to ADHD medication, is that it's quite, yeah. it's quite powerful medication. And I'm just reading a piece this morning from the London Times yeah. and it said, hey, now, this is not frightening, I don't know what drugs you're on, but yeah. ADHD. The drugs, this shows how powerful they are, raise the yeah. risk of heart disease. About 230,000 mm. people in the UK take medications such as Ritalin. Taking drugs yeah. to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder significantly increases the risk of heart disease and high blood pressure. This is a Swedish medical mm-hmm. peer, peer reviewed. So the drugs are quite powerful. Now they are. And look, I have a very responsible psychiatrist and I'm yeah, sure yeah. all medical doctors are and he explained that you know at length about all the i mm-hmm. mean actually the the side effects are not uh, they're kind of minimal relative okay. to a lot of other drugs right um because i would take antidepressants as well a okay. lot of anxiety yeah, related yeah, to my yeah. autism um but a, a responsible doctor will make sure that uh, they usually ask for an ecg okay good. Uh, before yeah. they prescribe yeah, well, well done well done yeah, so they look at a clinical history, if you have any history of heart disease or anything like that. And at the moment, I have to monitor um, my heart rate and blood pressure. Okay. So Well, that, so well, that seems to address that worry then and that study. Very important. Yeah. I mean, any medication is open to abuse, I think, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, you just have to be really careful and just, you know, ask all the questions and, you know, make sure you do go to somebody who's good and will look after all of that for you, you know. But you, did you mention you work in psychology? Are you, are I, you... do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I do. I'm actually, I was an academic for many years, Joe. Okay. Um, many years. And then I decided to try and get into the clinical side of things. Okay. So that's what I'm transitioning into. 
And I just thought at this point in my life, you know, um, there were a lot of barriers there to me performing well in my life. I know you might oh, okay. think, oh, she was an academic and she did this and mm-hmm. that. And, and this is the, the mis- total misperception that you, you, on the outside you look successful. Yeah. But people have no idea what's going on in your life or the struggles you have, you know. And do you think, do you think, Sinead, that it affected your career progression? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Massively. Massively. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. Um, I don't think in terms of promotion or, you know. Now, is that because you didn't go for it or? uh, There'd be confidence stuff there. I think that comes with, I think that comes with having a condition all your life that you didn't know about. Mm. And and there's a lot of self-blame and guilt that that's a huge part of it. And one of the first things my psychiatrist said when I met him, he's wonderful. He said to me, all that guilt, out the door now. Yeah, all that shame. Great that was one of the first things he said to me. Leave it outside. He said, that, you have to get that into your head. He said, it's yeah. not your fault. Yeah. You know, and that's a big thing people do. Yeah. You look back. So there's a lot of grief and mourning for what could have been yeah, and okay. all the mistakes. Okay, and you have the what ifs. You know, the, yeah. the what ifs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and not, there's huge stigma. Remember, you're not the only one who <coughs> goes through that. I was at a, yeah, I was at the road traffic um, uh, accident association. Had a wonderful ceremony in Mullingar on Sunday, hmm. and um, it was different families, including myself, talking about um, losing someone in a road uh, yeah. fatality, and uh, people were allowed, which was wonderful, were allowed to tell their stories. But so mm-hmm. many people talk about the what ifs. What if I had? The what if? I had. Yeah. I had said, "Well, don't go out tonight. Stay in, or go and wash your hair." Or what if I had? Yeah. I had phoned her and said, "Listen, come back. Yeah. You forgot your." Anyway, what ifs affect a lot of mm. a lot of people. A lot of people. Mm. And there's, as mm. you say, you have to leave them outside the door. You have to That's leave. That's it. They'll torment you. And so, you know you can begin afresh any time. Okay, Sinead. I know you're on now, but would you tell people who know you? That you have a that you've been diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> I've disclosed at work. Um, well done. That that's a really important thing actually for people around yeah. accommodations. You are entitled to accommodations. Okay. ADHD is, okay. is a disability. Great, um, great, great. Well, that's another yeah, gateway. Yeah. That's so that it's really important and that you feel safe disclosing as well. So I feel like I've been very, you know, accepted and accommodated. But you know, like I said to your researcher, there are family members, and I know I'm on, I'm on national yeah, radio. Yeah, yeah. They hear us for what harm, but I wouldn't have disclosed to them one to one because I know that because the stigma. They yeah. look at me and they say, "Sure, what's wrong with you? What are you on about?" Yeah. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mask all the time, and and especially in women with ADHD. You know, the, you know the hyperactive stereotype. Yeah, I have yeah, inattentive yeah. type A ADHD, which is more common in women. Okay. So it's all internalised a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I don't have the hyperactive element. But and what are I, what I, are given that it's it's diagnosed or sorry, it's classified as a disability? Yeah. What are the accommodations you were you were entitled to in the workplace, for example? Yeah, so a bit a, a, like a huge accommodation is just having a quiet workspace. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So just just because I previously worked in a space where I shared an office with seven other people, okay. <laughs> and oh. uh, I I was up the walls. 
Now, that would, to be honest, that would drive a lot of people yeah. a little bit barmy. But I can't concentrate. And I, I'm, like, constantly seeking out people to, you know, I'm distracted by every tiny little thing. Every tiny little thing. You can't, you, you feel like your head is going to explode, you know. Um, so just yeah. having a quiet space to go away and focus on your work. Um, you know, I wear headphones, noise cancelling headphones. Oh, okay. I find okay. that great. I, it's okay if I wander a little bit around the place, you know, people just have an awareness. And I do still, like, make mistakes because I have inattentive ADHD. I used to be kicking myself all the time. Uh, like, my attention to detail can be poor. Okay. So I do need people to be, you know, I try my best and I have a lot of strengths, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do need people to realise that, like, paperwork and stuff like that... <laughs> You know, I do need another pair of eyes maybe to read it. Okay. Do you know? Okay. Even though I might read it ten times and still make errors and, you know. Yeah. Um, so just things like that. They're not huge. They make a big difference. They make a big difference, yeah. Say there, Sinead. Joe at rt.ie, yeah. 51551. Text James O'Brien. James, good afternoon. How are you, Joe? How are you? You were diagnosed. Good, thanks. Uh, you were diagnosed in the last year, James. How did that come about with ADHD? Yeah, I suppose, Joe, I, I, I spent probably a large part of my time thinking that I was uh, suffering from anxiety and depression and I, I couldn't get my head around with what was going on and I spent probably about mm-hmm. 10 years with my GP trying to find the right medication and what have you, like, you know. So eventually I, I, I was um, I was in with a therapist and the therapist turned around to me and said, listen, James, I think you need to get uh, assessed for ADHD. Okay. So... I started my journey then to try and find a psychiatrist, which I was—I just was hitting brick walls with. I couldn't even get onto waiting lists. It would, uh, yeah. and I was told once I got onto a waiting list, I'd be waiting twelve months. Then once on the waiting list, okay. Um, so there was, I, there was I, a wa- there was I, a waiting I, list to get on the waiting list. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So yeah. I even looked at going across to the UK. Um, which I could, I could have gotten a, an appointment with a psychiatrist, but to go over, you would have had to go over regularly then, to obviously, to get your, your prescription for the medication, which financially wouldn't have made sense. So I eventually found, um, from research and for, for weeks and weeks, I found a, a, a lady in, based in Italy, a psychiatrist based in Italy, okay. who over a number of Zoom calls and team okay. meetings, and di- she was able to diagnose me within... Four weeks of my first contact with her, I started my first medication. And you got diagnosed by an Italian psychiatrist, and that's recognised here? Yes, and she sends across um, my um, prescription across uh, to my pharmacy every month. Okay. And how did you come across this Italian Psychiatrist. I, I, I just just from research, just from okay. literally, I was trying, I was trying every everywhere to try and get in front of the psychiatrist because I just couldn't wait another, you know, twelve, two yeah, years, yeah. twelve months, two years, you know. So I um, and I, I don't know what it was just by chance that I came across it, but um, I think if, if people like, can I say the name of the? Um, I think if you if you Google uh, Maria ADHD Italy, you you mm. you you'll come across this, this lady. Um, okay, and what difference I, I, has I, the, has the medication made, James? 
for me at the moment, Joe, I'm still trying to find what's right for me. Um, so I, I obviously you start on low dosage and you, you, you increase. So, um, but as, as people will know, like ADHD medication is a, is a stimulant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so which which will increase anxiety and what have you. So it's it, with myself and the, 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 the Italian lady. We're still at the moment still in the process of trying to find what the right dosage and what the right medication is for me. That's going to okay. work for me, you know. But. I, I have I have seen slight improvements, um, and okay. it, it, I've heard from very other other people that it, it's a game changer for people once you go on. Okay, the, and the well, you're you're still under supervision, which is great. After medic, but yes. Sinead said that also it's a gateway to getting medication, but it's all the diagnosis, mm-hmm. but it's also a gateway for other accommodations. Were you aware of that, James, in the workplace, for example? No, 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 not absolutely okay. not. No, no. Okay, well, there, there it is. There it is. Okay, and but you. Uh, by the way, how long are you actually on the medication now? Now I'm. We start. We started with one dose that we done for a couple of mo- for I'd say about three months, but it, it just wasn't reacting well with me. So I've literally started a, a separate medication now, and I'm only two weeks into this. So it's still it's still early days for myself, you know. Okay. Still early days. Okay. Well, st- stay. Stay well and stay in touch with your medics, uh, James. Thanks indeed. That's James O'Brien and uh, Sinead. Joe, thank you both, by the way. Joe at rt.ie, 51551 is the text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, every year, around this time, in fact, I was looking back, it was around this time last year when we first got calls about the decision of the then Lord Mayor of Dublin, the Green Party, Caroline Conroy, to um, remove the live animals from the crib outside of the mansion house. And that, as you gathered, that turned into a massive uh, row. Animal rights people totally supporting her and then people saying it wasn't uh, the, the magic gone and the IFA wanted to, uh, who've been doing it voluntarily for years and years and years. And it was a Dublin tradition which is gone now. I noticed uh, Dahi the Rush, who was the Fianna Fáil councillor and the Lord Mayor of Dublin at the moment. What has he done? He's brought back the animals. And then the previous year, if my memory serves me correctly, the crib debate we had was somebody phoned in to say that a crib had always had pride of place in the foyer of St. James's Hospital in Dublin, the biggest uh, and best hospitals in the country. And for some reason it was removed and then a debate started about secularisation and people using a hospital shouldn't have to pass a a symbol, a Christian symbol, because Christmas obviously is a Christian event. Okay, now we we got a beautiful photograph yesterday of um, a crib in the window of a shop. Big crib in the window of a shop is Paul Fitzpatrick's shoe shop in what's often referred to as the Dundrum Basilica because it's such a massive shopping centre. And Paul Fitzpatrick is on the line. Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good. Tell us about the crib for a start. There it is, a pride of place in a shoe shop. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I used to work in Grafton Street as part of the Fitzpatrick chain and of the course. crib was in a chest of drawers up on the top of the house. And I always said it would look lovely in a shop display because it was a shop display. Yeah. Now, it could date back. Fitzpatrick started trading from the 20s. Okay. So it could date, date back any time at all. But it's a wonderful crib. It's very old. There's chips and marks and everything on it. I see that. So, yeah. um, but uh, we just thought it would be a wonderful 
Christmas window display. So we put it out there about two years ago. I think we started with it, maybe three. And okay. the customer reaction has been superb every time. People were taking photos of it this morning. People come in and uh, compliment us every time, you know. So it's just a piece of history, really. Um, so we just uh, thought it'd be nice to put it out there. So you've, you've been doing it for a couple of years. Have you, given the world we now live in, which which is, in in fairness, we, you know, inclusive and we and this was, I'm going back to the arguments for the removal of the crib from various places. Uh, yeah. And indeed, I think there was a, wasn't there a previous controversy where the words Christ was, wasn't mentioned in a, a card from a senior politician or whatever. But anyway, um, you, you've got no negative reaction, Paul. No, all positive. I said I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Okay. People come in every day and compliment us on it. It's just our traditional, as I said, Christmas window. Um, now, our listener said... It, it, it looks the part. It's very old. So. Okay. But our listener said, and the baby Jesus is in is in the, the, the crib, know, as yeah, I say. Yeah. Yeah. But our listener yeah. said she was so taken aback by this that she went in and bought a pair of shoes she didn't need. Very good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> That's not the purpose of it, mind I you, know that. Oh, Paul, yeah. say that. Get that in quickly. Get that in. Uh, we, the shoe will be on the other foot in a few seconds now. If, if, you, if yeah, yeah. I know, take up a stay there, Paul. By the way, is okay. Fitzpatrick just one shop now? Are you in Grafton it is, Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I used to be there. We, we split the shops there in 2011. So I'm Paul Fitzpatrick, which is why my shop is named Paul. And, and my brother continued Fitzpatrick's, but he closed a few years ago. So, uh, so there's no Fitzpatrick's in Grafton Street. Well, Thomas Patrick are also Fitzpatrick. Oh, okay, so, yeah, that's what I'm thinking so of. And there's, there's, there's they're a, my cousins. So. And the cousins. We're still uh, knocking around, don't And don't there's, a couple, <laughs> there's a couple of wonderful shoe shops in the Royal the Royal Hibernian Way, isn't there? There, as you there's go towards there, yeah, Street. Yeah. Okay, stay there, Paul. Uh, sure, now, yeah. By the way, when do you put it up? When do you when do you put the crib in the shop window? I normally put it in the seventh, but this year I did it early because I just felt the need of a bit of Christmas okay. cheer myself, I suppose. And so what I, about, I put it up early. What about the purists who argue that the baby Jesus shouldn't be in the crib until Christmas Day or midnight? Okay, but then but then nobody would see him because the shop is closed Christmas Day. Okay, and the, and the shopping <laughs> so, centre is closed, and not just the shop, correct. but the yeah, shopping yeah, centre. Yeah, so yeah. the window was unavailable for viewing correct. on Christmas Day. Okay, stay there, Paul. Uh, Joe okay. at rt.ie, 51555 is the text number, 0818715815. Mary Tehan, what do you think of a, a shop, a shoe shop, as it happens, putting the Christian crib with the baby Jesus in the shop window? I think it's an absolutely fabulous idea, Joe. Okay. Right? I think really and truly for young people, kids going through the centre just to see the crib, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Right? I myself, here in my house, we normally put up, and this is going to make me sound really weird, (laughs) but we normally have five or six cribs up around the house. That sounds like an an episode of Liveline. You have have five (laughs) or six cribs up around. Yeah, cribs we've collected Where, where, Where do you put them? Right? There's one nearly in every room. Right? Now, that makes me sound as if I'm living in a mansion, but no. And when, right, do, when, so do, you, when one, do you put them up, Mary? We normally put up our Christmas decorations the weekend of the 8th of December. Okay. But the baby Jesus doesn't go into the crib until after we return from midnight mass oh, on lovely. Christmas Eve. Okay, okay. And Paul explained. Right? And then yes. our tradition is, yes. maybe it's because we're from Cork, is the youngest member of the house lights the Christmas candle Okay. When we return from Mass and also puts the baby Jesus into the Oh, isn't crib. that lovely? Isn't that lovely? 
Isn't that lovely? Yeah, no, and, so and, yeah, and I love a crib myself. You're what? I love a crib myself. Okay. Um, and what's, the, what's the oldest crib you have? Oh, the oldest crib we had, we got over 40 years ago when we were first married and moved wow. to Dublin. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. You see, so I, I just collect it. Every couple of years I buy a new one. I have children's cribs, adults' cribs. We yeah. have a china crib. We have a real old plastic crib dating back to God only knows when that has a little wooden stable with it that is used every year with the main crib. And yeah. I think that was the first one we got. Okay. And do you have do you have a moving crib? No, we don't have a moving crib, unfortunately. That's you, something to aim for. Do you know where there is a moving crib? There's one inside well, there used to be one inside at the mansion house. No 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 no. no there's, there's a, the, I'm getting that mixed was, up. No, you know, you're fine. That was the animal crib and that's back this yes. year. And by the way, the, the Lord Mayor last year who got into so much hot water over this, she didn't remove the crib. She just said, I don't want the the live animals. The crib was still there. But anyway, the moving crib is in, in 42 Parnell Square West, opposite the Rotunda. And it is absolutely, you have to go. Ah. It's been there for 60 years. I think I've got, I dragged my children for about 20 years because it is genuinely, as the fella said, it's in the Mara's building. You go down into the basement and then you walk around and there's all these moving, you know, the animals you used to see years ago yeah. in Switzer's window and Cleary's window and all that carry on. Yes, yes. Um, which, which Switzer's is just mammon, mammon, mammon. So not Switzer's. Brown Thomas is just money, money, money in the window. It's all <laughs> fashion. There's no, there's no gnomes anymore in the moving. We used or the to little, always little, when the children were yeah, younger to yeah. see the Christmas gone. windows inside town. Well, the moving crib right. is back, the big moving crib in Parallel Square and Free Inn is back up and running. Now, you say oh, you, you, do you, that you, you do, yeah. Your crib is uh, 40 years old, but you, I don't know, can you buy a moving crib in the shops? I've never seen one now, John, that's been honest with you. Okay. As Terry is listening as well. Terry in Dublin. Terry. Hello there, Joe. How are you? Have you many cribs do you have? Oh, no, I just have the one. Oh, thank and God. I happen to have brought it home from Jerusalem, would you oh, believe? Oh, wow. And Tell it's us. very special. I did a trip to the Holy Land just to see how everything was getting on out there. Now, it's a few years ago, but yeah. it was an eye-opener and I really enjoyed it. So the crib is from the real place. And what's the difference between, probably price, what's the difference between the a nativity crib from Jerusalem... And is it the same configuration? I presume it is. Oh, yes. It, it's yeah. just a wooden one. And it's just very special because I got it when I was over there on, on a trip okay. with a few friends that we went to. But I feel that that's what Christmas is all about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa being very, very important. Absolutely. But so is the nativity because it, that's where it all started. And it says, like, if you go into it more deeper, you think about where they had to go and there was no room in the inn and, you know, the animals were all around. I think it's really very historic and children love it. Ours loved it and we did go to the moving crib in Parnell Street. Oh, great, yeah, Parnell Square, yeah. Uh, It's very very good and the Mars there, yeah. And and Terry, um, the the crib, when you you were in Jerusalem, did you go down to Bethlehem? We didn't go, but we did the... the, uh, we were in the place where the Last Supper was 
held, funny enough. Okay. We didn't get down to Bethlehem. I would have loved that. You see, because we I've, I've, I've been to Bethlehem to make a programme. Really? But it's... Um, but it's not um but it's not a he, he was born in a cave he was born oh, in a cave as if yeah. i know yeah, i know it's just lovely to go because i suppose the bible says an awful lot of things as well that you just uh, and the garden of gethsemane for instance like that was lovely before he before he passed away yeah. no that's just been me being me but christmas is very important and uh, it is i think all about the nativity and of course santa coming as well Okay, great. And I see you, uh, you hate the word Xmas. Oh, oh gosh. gosh. I can't believe the cards are being printed with X on it. Because, yeah. look, it's all about Christmas and Christmas. That's the way yeah. I see, okay. you know, and how important it is. Okay. And what a, a great person he was, really. He changed our, our lives totally, if you want to go into it even a little bit more deeper and okay. to think about the spirit of of everything and how to live a, a beautiful life if you want to without fighting and harmony okay. and all that I think, Mar- I think it's uh, wonderful uh, um, Mary given Mary has five cribs Mary would you consider an outdoor crib has anyone got outdoor cribs in their house Mary hello Mary yes has anyone got outdoor cribs well I don't would you, would you consider it if I had a larger front garden, Joe, yes. Okay. okay. But it wouldn't really be appropriate where I live, if you follow me. The, the, yeah. the space okay. just wouldn't be there for I'm it. Sure. You know, you know the way Halloween has become such a big decorative event, and Christmas itself. I wonder, does anyone have a Christmas crib in their display in the garden? But anyway, it's just a yeah, Paul. That's okay, yeah. pa- Paul Fitzpatrick. Uh, how's business, by the way, Paul? Yep, that's where we're looking forward to a busy day tomorrow, hopefully. <laughs> OK, OK. Uh, Paul, oh, uh, Paul, thanks indeed. That's Paul Fitzpatrick Shoes in um, Dundrum Shopping Centre. OK, um, we'll try and get that. Can we get that press conference up live, the Qatari press conference on Sky? The Qatari mediators are on at the moment. Let's see, can we hear them? Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the pause uh, through uh, the formula of uh, getting more hostages uh, out and therefore getting more time for, uh, for the pause. We are hoping that, that that momentum will carry and that we would find uh, this would open the door for further and more uh, deep negotiations towards an end to, uh, to this uh, violence. Please. And I just caught on that, that in the corner of my eye. Uh, we, we'll go back to it in a sec. The Qatari government are giving me a press conference at the minute. They say the first hostages will be released at 4pm tomorrow. I don't know what time zone they're talking about. After the truce starts at noon tomorrow. The first hostages to be released at 4pm tomorrow. You know there was a hiccup this morning. Uh, 13 hostages will be released on the first day. Now this is, we're hearing an interpreter. Let's see what we can get live from this. The total ceasefire will last for four days. In and who is going to oversee if someone breaks the agreement and, and regard, regarding the regarding the Palestinian prisons and who, who 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 is going to oversee the release because the 
they are in the hands of the Israeli government. And at the regarding the regarding the details of the agreement, I do not want to go into that again. And, and whoever breaks uh, the agreement and, and both parties are on the field, they have duties to obey by the We're listening agreement. to the press conference from the Qatari Ministry of Foreign Affairs who have mediated uh, that uh, truce. Now, they're, they're, I'm, I'm reading another... Uh, saying that this, the truce begins at 7am local time, which is even better. The sooner, the better. The truce, I think they're two hours. Uh, so that's two hours behind us. So that's well, tomorrow morning anyway. The truce is starting tomorrow morning. And within four hours, they say 13 hostages will be released on uh, the first day. And this is the spokesperson for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Qatari. He's also he also said that the aid into Gaza will begin immediately. The truce starts. The aid into Gaza, and um, never never has something been more welcome, and more needed, and more clamoured for, and and prayed for, and protested for than aid into Gaza. And God knows what what it's going to be like in terms of the uh, the images we've seen. Um, he said at 7 a.m. local time in Gaza and then Palestinians will be released uh, tomorrow. And he's asked, been asked now how many uh, Palestinian prisoners will be released by the uh, by the um, Israelis tomorrow. It's 7 a.m. local Gaza time, not international time, he says. Um, and he has been uh, asked uh, questions, the same questions again and again, but I don't know if he knows all the answers. Um, he says, regarding the Palestinians, I can't disclose information about how many of them will be free tomorrow. I can tell you that the deal is a reciprocal deal. And a reciprocal deal tomorrow. It has it happens. All of, all of this is choreographed to happen around the same time, uh, give or take a few hours for logistics. Uh, the release of hostages, he's saying, will be around 4 p.m. tomorrow. So that's a few hours uh, after um, after the truce begins. He said the Red Cross uh, will be involved. He's been asked now, will the Red Cross be accompanying the hostages throughout? And we don't know what the the, uh, the, the fallback or fallout today was that delayed it. Um, but um, it's now been, been confirmed live there by the Qatari Foreign Ministry that the truce starts at 7am tomorrow and 13 hostages will be released to, tomorrow. And as I said yesterday, um, when I read from the Jewish Chronicle and the Israeli television, Channel 12, they, they said the list of the first 50 uh, prominent on that list, first of all, every one of the hostages should be released, every single one of them. It's a horrific crime, as is the horror that's been visited on the people of Gaza. But um, every one of them should be released. But uh, the the Jewish Chronicle and channels where we're saying on that t near the top of that list is Emily Hand, uh, I presume because of her, uh, because of their uh, her age. Um, there's there's a younger children than, than that been taken hostage. But I, I think there's only two or three. But anyway, they'd be released as well. 
uh, they say the Red Cross will be taking a risk, but they are, well, as always, the Red, they are an integral part of handling the hostages and the details. I can't give, he says, the Foreign Ministry is saying, I can't get into any more details about where the actual handover will take place. And we want to make sure that the environment with the the hostage transfer will happen, will be safe. And we want to guarantee the safety of the hostages uh, and that they would be safely reunited with their families. Now he's saying, I don't have uh, any more update uh, at the moment. Well, that's good news. The release of the hostages is being confirmed by the mediators. They would, the Qatari foreign ministry, and they wouldn't confirm unless it was it was a done deal on both sides. And the truce to start at 7am tomorrow, hostages to be uh, released within four hours, uh, Palestinian prisoners to be released tomorrow as well, in part of the swap as they call it, and uh, relief to be allowed into Gaza immediately. Relief to be allowed into Gaza and um, he's, he's saying, I don't know whether the hostages will be released. He's saying this, uh, he doesn't know, but if he, if he does know, he's not saying it for security reasons. He doesn't know if the hostages will be released on the Gaza Strip, uh, which is obviously people know it so well, or in the West Bank, which is obviously over uh, the other side of Israel. But anyway, he said the safety of the hostages in their release is paramount. Back after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Uh, by the way, a serious incident has been declared uh, in the last few minutes in Parnell Square that we were talking about, about the moving crib. Uh, Gardy said a serious incident has been declared uh, on Parnell Square East uh, at around uh, 2 o'clock. It is understood uh, that a man has been treated at the scene and three children have been taken to hospital with suspected stab wounds. The area has been sealed off and declared a crime scene. Uh, there is a number of schools, as you know, that in that area is a Gale, Gale school, as far as I remember. It's understood that a number of people are being treated at the scene and some children have been taken to a hospital. That's on Parnell Square East, which is the, the, um, the side of Parnell Square that runs directly uh, into O'Connell Street. I know Cassidy's Hotel is there, the hotel called Cassidy's. Um, that's that's there, and a number of trade unions have their offices there as well. Um, and that is the, the, you go down to Gate Theatres opposite, and also the um, but the school at the top of the street. Uh, to the left is the Jesuit Bel- Belvedere College, but it happened around two o'clock, 25 minutes ago, um, Guardian and emergency services are at the scene uh, what they're calling a serious incident in Dublin. It appears a number of children may have been attacked on Parnell Square East. It is understood a man has been treated at the scene and three children have been taken to hospital with sus- suspected uh, stab wounds and please God that they, they will be well. The area has been sealed off and declared a crime scene. Um, the only piece of copy says there is a Gale School on Parnell Square, but as I say, there's, it's a busy, busy spot. It's a major bus hub, the Parnell Square East, a major bu- bus hub, and it's also a transfer spot for drivers on uh, Dublin bus. So there's always a lot of people. There's always a lot of people um, uh, around. Um, a number of people treated at the scene, and some children have been taken uh, been taken to uh, hospital. Now, the nearest hospital to Parnell Square would be um, 
would be the Matter Hospital. Uh, Connor Hunt of our newsroom is there because Connor, I suspect, were you were you at the Stardust Tribunal in the Rotunda? That's right, Joe. We're we're um, just at the gate theatre there. Yeah. Uh, people might know it as a Dublin landmark, and what's happening, as you know, since April, the uh, Stardust inquest has been happening here in the Pillar Room. Yeah. And at at lunchtime, um, you know, and people might be familiar with it if they see any of the tele reporting uh, over the last while. Uh, there's a black gate that people uh, yeah. come in and go from there. And what's, what's happened is a lot of uh, families have been gathering there at, at lunchtime okay. uh, to catch up and to kind of um, to talk about the proceedings. But uh, just, a, just before two o'clock, we were um, in the court at the inquest when someone came in saying that there had been a stabbing incident out on the road pretty much opposite the entrance um, of okay. the uh, of the pillar room uh, of the gate leading into the pillar room, yeah. and uh, we subsequently heard then that uh, one woman I was speaking to, whose uh, brother died in the start of fire, she said she witnessed uh, this event. I mean, the details, as you know, Joe, are very sketchy, but and this is all confirmed. But th- there seems obviously to have been a, a stabbing incident, and and that one at least one man was involved, and. A, a child uh, as well, we believe, and perhaps others. Um, there's a, a very significant uh, number of guards here at the minute. The whole area has been has been cordoned off. Um, what the woman said to me was that they were having their cigarette break. They looked across the road mm-hmm. and they saw a stabbing action. And uh, a number of people then went over to intervene. And uh, it was obviously... So, it was obvious that some people mm-hmm. were in a in a bad way. Uh, there was there's a woman beside me, um, Joe, uh, yeah. who said she witnessed the event, and maybe we can talk, or your producer can talk off air uh, first to see if she if you okay. uh, want to. Uh, the guardy are there in large numbers because they declared a serious incident. Um, are there are there medics there? Are there, are there still ambulances there, Connor? I'll just they are. I mean, they're they're. What I saw is well, there are there are no ambulances at the moment. Okay. I, I did see uh, a number of ambulances leaving okay. um, uh, shortly after. I did also see um, some staff in the rotunda run out yeah. and perhaps assist in, yeah. in the operation yeah. as well. Um, but at the moment, the road has been cleared. There were an, uh, a large number of uh, members of the public here um, when the incident happened. It seems, and in the aftermath, but they've now being cleared and that long stretch of road uh, has been closed off. Okay, still closed. And is there a significant number of Gardaí present? Yeah, um, uh, uniformed and um, plain clothes uh, members of the, the guards here, uh, Joe. Um, and no, I'm just looking up the road again, no arms as a member of uh, sorry, the fire engine here. Um, okay. And a large number of guards. There's a, a section as well just opposite um, where the, the incident seems to have taken place uh, around a tree and it's, that, that, that's been cordoned off and suggesting that there might be some evidence okay. there as well that the guards would be interested in at some point. Okay. Well, the fact that all the ambulances have left means that everyone has been, that, that was injured has been taken to hospital, which is, which is good, uh, good news for a start. And, uh, but the fact that, that it still is a major crime scene, and I say you can, Parnell Square East will be closed uh, for, for many hours, judging on the, on the statement that we have uh, because of the seriousness of the, um, 
of the attack and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, as, as Connor said, at least one person was stabbed. And uh, the statement we have, it says a number of children uh, have been stabbed. Uh, up to three children have been taken to hospital. So uh, let's hope Godspeed to them. Uh, Connor, has this Stardust Tribunal been adjourned for the afternoon? Yes, yeah, so yeah. what happened was we were due back at two o'clock and the coroner, Dr. Meyer Cullinan, then made uh, the decision to adjourn it. Course, to, yeah. to meet again tomorrow at 1pm. But a lot of the people, it seems, well, sorry, a, a sizable number of people of those involved in the inquest, at least three or four uh, women did seem to see the incident or were okay. there shortly after. So yeah, obviously they've been affected too. And of that's course, and these are, these are people who are still living through trauma. These are people Absolutely who are still living through trauma, and, and uh, but but above all, we hope we hope the injured uh, uh, this afternoon. We hope it's minimal numbers, and uh, we hope that they they make a speedy and full recovery. Connor, thanks again. If you hear anything else, I'm sure you let us. That's Connor Hunt from our uh, own uh, newsroom here in RTE about that serious incident been declared in Parnell Square in the last half hour. It's understood a man has been treated at the scene. He's obviously been removed now. All the ambulances are gone and uh, three children have been taken to hospital with suspected uh, stab wounds. The area has been sealed off and declared uh, a crime scene. Uh, Joe at RTE.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Parnell Square East is is currently closed because of that uh, incident, which the Guardian are saying is a serious incident uh, in Dublin. Um, Three children, they say, uh, are suspected of having been stabbed. Uh, by a man who's been treated at the scene and the area's been sealed off and declared a crime scene. People would know that side of, of Parnell Square because it's where the Garden of Remembrance is and, and the top is that magnificent church and the municipal gallery and then Parnell Square East is effectively, uh, it's open to family cars but it's primarily a bus route leading into, a, a very, very busy bus route leading into um leading into O'Connor Street and as you heard Connor Hunt who's in the Stardust has been reporting every day diligently from from the rotunda where the Stardust inquest is being held uh, they were alerted just after two o'clock when someone rang, ran in and said someone's been stabbed out on the street but it seems the Gardaí were there in large numbers uh, very quickly and um, as we were told recently um, the armed response units in Dublin uh, we were told they, when they did an exercise recently, the purpose of the exercise was to see how quickly they could get to a serious incident in the city centre. So they've obviously been, um, they've obviously been, uh, been uh, practicing for such uh, such an awful event. But hopefully, hopefully, is it's not as awful as first seems. Uh, Nisha, councillor Nisha Marie is a Finnegale councillor in North Dublin. Nisha, you're you're at the scene. I'm not now, Joe. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was there. Okay. Just, I was just passing, I was on the bike at, at two o'clock, just heading into City Hall. And I was just coming along Parnell Street and I could hear a huge amount of siren. Um, just an awful lot of siren activity. Yeah. So I just, at the top of O'Connell Street there, uh, it's incredible how fast to refer to the emergency responses. The You mentioned the guards and Dunfire Brigade and the HSE paramedics. There's an incredible response. Vehicles coming from everywhere to that okay. spot, you know. Uh, 
So um, I hope the I hope the individuals that have been attacked are okay. But mm-hmm. it's very hard to tell what's happened. It was very hard to tell yeah, what's course, happening when I was there because, because of the setup. And was it what did the attack seem to place near, take to place take place near or O'Connor Street? That end of Parnell Yeah, I did about halfway up. I about okay. halfway up on the eastern side, as I as I could see it on the eastern side of the square. So on the the, the residential side rather than the garden yeah, side. There's a, ho- there's a hotel there, the Hotel St. Yeah. George. The Hotel St. George, I know it well. And Cassidy's yeah. Hotel is there. And as I say, yeah. there's, always a, there's always an enormous number of buses and people uh, yeah. meeting. And then on the opposite side, which is the side of the Rotunda and the Garden of Remembrance, there is a small memorial there, as it happens to the Dublin bombings. Um, yeah. That's near. That's near uh, the garden, uh, near the Garden of Remembrance. And then, if you go around the corner to just outside the Municipal Gallery, there's um, there's a memorial on the street, a beautiful memorial, unfortunately, to the tragic killings of the three members of the Miami show band. Sure, um, so, yeah. so we can only hope that. But you, 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 you're adamant, Nisha, that the Guardi and the emergency services were there. Very, very quickly. It's incredibly quick. Like right, you, okay. you would not believe the sar. Just the sar activity across the Tasman village. You could. It was just. It was just. It was very, very fast. And you know, I've never seen anything like it. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that. That means hopefully that the if those injured are got the hospital quickly and. Um, as I say, the nearest hospital will be the Matter Hospital. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's not yet; yeah, it's not too far away. And the A and E there is just uh, on the corner of North Circular Road, and it can be accessed from Eccles Street side as well. So the the hospital is about four minutes from the scene of that, uh, with with blue lights on. It'll be four minutes. So hopefully, yeah. uh, everyone got there got there very quickly. Okay, Nisha. Yeah. Thanks indeed. That's right, Councillor Nisha Murray uh, fin- uh, Murray Finnegale um, in. He's in Clontarf area, Richard Bruton's constituency, who's um, retiring uh, soon. Um, okay, I'll, we'll come back to that as as um, as soon as we can. If we get any more information, what we especially want information on is hopefully uh, the, the very 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 small, if any. No, the, the guard are saying that they think three people have been stabbed. People have been uh, injured. Tim Buckley contacted us. Tim, why did you contact us? Good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Thanks for having me on, and thanks to all your colleagues there. Um, uh, Two reasons that are related, Joe. The lump sum payments this week that were paid out to some people on welfare were not paid paid to unemployed people like myself. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not as if we, unemployed people, don't have the same bills as everyone else, and everyone who got the payments thoroughly deserved them. But I, I think there's just unfair that unemployed people were left out. And the main the main people who got them, and it is a significant number. Uh, the fuel yeah. the the fuel people who were on the fuel allowance uh, got it, and other people were. I have to I have the list. I'll read it out in a sec. Um, of who who got the 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 uh, three hundred euro uh, payment? The cost of living lump sum has been paid to some social welfare recipients. Um, and as you as you say, the unemployed are not. How long have you been unemployed, Tim? Well, the last time I paid work was uh, between twenty eleven and twenty thirteen. And how? What's happened since? Well, as I was telling Terry, a researcher there, um, the I I've done vol- a lot of voluntary work mm-hmm. and. Uh, in between, which is work, teaching mostly, teaching IT skills. Okay. And I've worked in IT, 
I worked in IT as well. Okay. I taught a lot of people, people with mental health difficulties, uh, migrants. For some, I just fell into teaching for mm-hmm. some reason, adults, uh, and especially adults who, for one reason or another, were on the edge of society. But um, I, I, I think there's two reasons I haven't got work. One is I don't, I'm one of those people who doesn't do a good interview, and companies, you know, they're very okay. hung up in interview interview performance, but just because you don't do a good interview doesn't mean you don't do a good job, um, Joe. And yeah. the other reason, the main reason I uh, contacted you about was, I think there's a lot of ageism now in recruitment. I'm okay. 57 now, and I think people, I get the impression from interviews and from applications uh, that many employers now don't want anyone over 40, 45. But, you, but, but but that's not allowed. That's illegal. You, you, you should not even be oh, asked no. your age at an interview. You shouldn't even put your age on a CV. Oh, I don't put my age on a CV. You're yeah. not allowed to do it now. Great, great. But obviously so, when so why do you think you're, you're being pushed back because of your age? Well, when you see a CV, you can tell there's a lot of... Uh, it's a two, uh, yeah, I, we have to keep... I can't get everything onto it now because... Uh, I do have an awful lot of experience, but you're supposed to keep it to two pages. It doesn't do me any justice. But I'm, I was telling Tara, I am, I'm tired of all kinds of ways of working out your age. And mm-hmm. um, along the way, I'll give you one example. By one company, they don't reply many times, which is a disgrace. But anyway, I pursued, I look at said, I put a lot of effort into this application. Could you give me some kind of reply? And they said they wanted someone for the long haul, quote-unquote, which I took to be caught for, we want mm. somebody younger. And did you challenge that? Because that's an outrageous thing to say. How did they oh. know? Well, they can deny that, Joe. They can just say, well, that's what we want, someone for the long haul. They, they, they can deny it was just you see. They've all kinds of ways to get yeah, their but own... Yeah, well, but hang, hang on, Tim, if they use a phrase like, we want someone for the long haul, did... Was there a sign around your neck saying I've only two years to live? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they look at it like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's so destroying, Joe. Okay, Absolutely these, these, these okay, destroying. these are the budget. We might as well clarify them while we have you here. By the way, um, uh, there's images coming in now from Parnell Square. There's at least six ambulances, uh, about ten police cars, and two, uh, including two armed response units uh, there in Parnell Square. There was an advanced paramedic unit from uh, Dublin Fire Brigade, a number of Garda vans, a number, number, a significant number of Garda cars. But as I say, I can see at least five ambulances in that footage. Now, they've all departed uh, and hopefully uh, most of them departed empty. Um, but anyway, it is a major incident in uh, in Parnell Square. This is the, this is the what, what the government are doing. They're saying that there will be a total of nine lump, lump sum payments totaling 1.2 billion. Let's see, are you eligible for any of these, Timothy? Um, they'll be paid between this month and uh, the, uh, January. The first three this week are a 300 euro fuel allowance lump sum. Uh, this is, by the way, these payments are all additional payments. Will be paid to 409,000 households. A 400 disability support grant will be paid to 204,000 uh, people with disabilities. Again, these are extra payments. A 400 lump sum working family payment will be paid to 45,000 families with uh, nearly 100,000 children. Next, next week, 
A €400 carer support grant will be provided to the country's carers. Now, remember, they are the country's carers who have been hearing for the last week here on Liveline. They are the country's carers who are eligible after a very, very strict means test uh, for the carer support grant. And as we've said, some people... um, who have been on our programme were, were allocated €4 euro a week, €6 euro a week to look after their adult child 24-7-365 uh, recording. We presume they get, regardless of the amount the carer's support, carer support grant is, they get that 400 There will be a, a 200 lump sum next week paying, paid to the 237,000 people in receipt of the living alone allowance. That's primarily old age pensioners. And a €100 cost of living lump sum payment per child uh, for people receiving an an increase for the qualified child on their social welfare payment. So 200 lump sum uh, next week for the quarter of a million in receipt of living alone allowance. And if there are children involved, there's €100 next week for every child on top of their normal payment. A Christmas bonus double payment will be paid in the week. And this is the one you're going to get, Tim, but it's, that's the week yeah. commencing December the 4th. And that will go to 1.3 million people. A doubling of child benefit on December the 5th, which is the week after next, uh, that will, well, actually, it's, it's next Tuesday week, isn't it? The first Tuesday uh, in December. A doubling of child benefit on December the 5th will will support 650,000 families in respect of 1.2 million children. That's a doubling of child benefit. And a, jo- a, a January double payment, you're eligible for this as well, Tim. Yeah. A January yeah. double payment will be paid in the week commencing the 29th of January next and again 1.3 million so the two payments you're getting are the Christmas bonus which is a double payment of your unemployment benefit and then you'll be getting a January stroke beginning of February um, St Bridget's Day bonus if you want to call it of a double payment again so you will be getting but uh, the the government argument will be the, the, the exchequer uh, are these lump sum payments, these extra payments, these cost of living support, as they call them, will cost uh, 1.2 billion. So it is significant in the overall. But again, what you're looking at there is the volume of people um, divided among such a significant number of people. Yeah. But, but then but we're told, you know, but Tim, how come we're told all the time we have full employment if you can't get a job? Uh, well, well, that's another thing I wanted wanted to say. There's 169,000 people. 933 people still on the live register. And I can only speak for myself, I'm not speaking for anyone else, but we are invisible, really, I think, and, and we've been abandoned by government. Uh, I mean, how can we say we have full employment when we have that number on the live register? If to say 25, 30,000, maybe, yes, we were close, we say we'd be close to full employment. How can we say we have full employment with 100, the bones of 170,000 people still on the live register? And 61,000 of them are like me, over 12 months unemployed. We, uh, certainly for myself, I can speak, I'm highly skilled. I could learn new skills very quickly. I have very relevant skills. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, if you have been unemployed yeah, now... But, we have, but, say, we, but we're told again and again, Tim, we have a labour shortage. Well, I can't see that. I mean, IT, my okay. core skills are in IT. 
teaching and working in IT, and they want people bang up today. They're not willing to train people. Companies now are not willing to train people. And technology, as I said in my letter to you, changes faster than the weather. The schools, okay. colleges, and individu- okay. individuals like me are breaking our backsides trying to keep up. But companies are not willing to take you on if, like me, you're in your 50s. Or okay. if you've been unemployed for more than a few weeks. Okay, okay. So, Tim, I want to get thanks indeed, but I yeah. need I need to go back to Parnell Square and that story. You see, Roisin Ingle uh, of the Irish Times is uh, tweeting in the last 10 minutes. The incident took place outside Gale School, Colossia Widow on Parnell Square as the children were coming out of school at 1.40. At least three people have been hospitalised in the incident, including a girl, a woman and uh, the assailant. Now, you will, you will begin to see images later on at Parnell Square and more images are coming in in the immediate reaction to the incident and I'd say there is at least 30 emergency vehicles between guarded cars, ambulances, uh, fire engines were at that scene uh, within within uh, minutes. Um, Mairead Maguire is of uh, the journal. Mairead, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, what, what do we know at this stage, Mairead? Yeah, so um, as you said, a number of people have been injured. Um, we don't know the ages of mm-hmm. the children yet, um, but it's understood that they are quite young. Okay. Um, I'm here at the scene. I'm at O'Connell Street, sort of, just sort of looking up, yeah. um, at where, as you say, a lot of emergency service vehicles have arrived. Um, every couple of minutes, there's another squad car arriving mm-hmm. as well. Okay, and apparently it happened outside the Gale School, uh, halfway up Parnell Square. And some photographs are, be, are being sent in to me now. And one photograph looks like there's two sets of paramedics working on two different locations on the ground uh, are, are there or near, are near the school. But, Ray, thanks, thanks indeed. And I know you will be reporting for the journal as uh, on the hour as the day goes by. Fergal O'Brien is uh, from the RTE newsroom. Fergal, where are you? Hi, Joe. I think I'm probably in the same location as Murray there. I'm okay. at the top of O'Connell Street, basically at the bottom of uh, Parnell Square East. And um, as Murray may have been saying to you there a moment ago, the street remains sealed off at the moment. And there's a large guard of presence. All of the ambulances that uh, were called to the scene in the immediate aftermath of this incident have now left the scene. Dublin okay. Fire Brigade also, who had attended the scene, left in the last few moments. Uh, a large crowd has gathered um, at the bottom of um, uh, Parnell Square East, and also a number of parents who are of course, yeah. fairly frantic, it has to be said, Joe, yeah, have arrived yeah. in the last couple of moments and um, have been looking for their children. Now, Gardaí have facilitated any parents who've arrived at the board here to allow them to go to the school um, to collect their children. Now, one eyewitness I spoke to in the last few moments uh, described how she was um, um, actually attending the uh, Stardust inquiry and she was just describing yeah. how she was out on a cigarette break when she saw uh, an incident unfolding across the road um, basically across from the entrance uh, to the Rotunda Hall. And she mm-hmm. said she could see a, a stabbing motion effectively. And she said that a number of men, a number of young men intervened and of tried course, to yeah. take a knife off the man who uh, appeared to have been stabbing, um, uh, certainly uh, launching at people. And as we know, it's understood that three children have suffered apparent stab wounds in the incident. And Joe, also the eyewitness told me that this appeared to have happened right outside the uh, Gale Skull on, yeah, um, yeah. on, the, uh, on the road here on, uh, on Parnell Square East. OK, OK. Um, well, we all pray that no one is uh, seriously uh, injured. But as I say, the, the um, 
emergency services were there extraordinarily quickly in in enormous numbers in terms of ambulances. Yes, see, I was said yeah. uh, Joe arrived yeah. in the, a matter of minutes. Um, the emergency services were on the scene, in particular the ambulance service. The eyewitnesses was telling me uh, arrived very quickly after. Uh, um, the emergency services were called to this incident. Okay, okay. Fergal, thanks indeed. As Fergal O'Brien uh, of our newsroom and Mairead Maguire of the uh, journal Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at rte.ie. Uh, the, the news is, is sparse enough now from uh, Parnell Square, but it has been, as you know, uh, a major incident and um, um, again more photographs are coming in and I see at least two sex, uh, groups of paramedics large groups of paramedics I hasten to add seven or eight of them working at two different uh, two different spots so uh, hopefully uh, hopefully um, that will that will uh, see a very very um, satisfactory resolution in terms of the health of those people who've been uh, injured. As say, Roshan Ingle said, it's, uh, it's been saying from the Irish Times that um, it's a, a woman, a man and a third person uh, were stabbed. Um, but anyway, um, there's no doubt and, and that our emergency st- uh, services uh, responded uh, quickly, um, which is the way it should be to that spot. Most people in Ireland, by the way, have walked down that street and Parnell Square East because uh, most of demonstrations in the country begin at, par- at the top of uh, Parnell Square East there at the Garden Remembrance outside the Municipal Gallery and uh, people march down, straight down into um, O'Connor Street and the spot, I suppose, was last in the news in such a significant way was when the, the late Queen of England visited uh, Ireland uh, what eight years ago at this stage and uh, remember she laid a wreath uh, at the Garden of Remembrance and that was regarded as one of the most significant um, uh, aspects of her visit but that's the last time you would have seen such coverage of that part of the square um, uh, when, when, the, when the Queen visited with uh, President McAleese uh, both of them there and it was a very moving ceremony but again just like now the whole street was completely cordoned off, including O'Connor Street on that day, um, when when the Queen was in um when the Queen was in uh, the Garden of Remembrance. Gareth McNamee is of the Irish Daily Mail. Oh Siobhan Carney is there for us. Siobhan Carney, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are uh, I you? I know you because your your brother died in the in the Stardust tragedy which did and the inquest is taking place um across oh, yeah. the road. What, what did you see, Siobhan? Well, Joe, we were standing outside um, on our break of lunch from the inquest today and um, was having a, having a cigarette. Yeah. And um, I seen a commotion across the road and I seen a man in a stab of motion. And without thinking, I just took across to the road Great. to help okay, out. Okay, okay. And um, we got the, we got another young man disarmed him with, with the knife. Okay. Um, another man took the knife and put it away for the guard to find great, it. Great, great, great. And then um, the well, then... two children and the woman was taken back into the school where they were coming from. It okay. was absolutely be- bedlam. Um, the uh, and Siobhan, crowd. Siobhan, Sorry, Joe, do, yeah? do you reckon the two children and the woman were, were actually victims of this stabbing? Yes. Yes. Oh, good God. Yes. 
Um, it was horrendous, Joe. Uh, the poor children, the screams out of them. And how soon were the emergency services there, Siobhan? Oh, well, the ambulance came first. We pointed them to the children and then the ambulance mm. and the fire brigade and the police came next. So I'd say, oh, we're in five and a half minutes. They were oh, all there. But the first ambulance was there within three or four minutes. OK. And Siobhan, how, how are you? You've got shaking. a fright. Yeah. Yeah, very, very much shaken okay. up, Joe. I'm not going to lie. It's not okay. a thing that you, you like to see in your own city. Yeah, but well, apart from that, these are little children, you know what I yeah, mean? And well, what possesses anybody to do uh, something uh, like that uh, is beyond uh, my thinking. And Siobhan, I know you'll join with me in saying the little prayer. Everyone was silent prayer for those three victims. That they, that they recover quickly. Siobhan, that's Siobhan Carney. Thank you so much, Siobhan. Annette Egan produced, and Ray Darcy is next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.